Welcome, everyone, to another interview of Everything Imaginable. My name is Gary Cacciolillo, your host, and today we have author Candice Sanderson. She's a psychologist whose training taught her to engage her world by the physical senses. But all that changed one morning when she began to receive messages from other realms of existence. Follow this ordinary person's extraordinary journey into the unknown through her books, The Reluctant Messenger, Tales from Beyond Belief, and The Reluctant Messenger Returns, An Unexpected Adventure into the Angelic Realm. Thank you for being on my show. How are you today? I'm great, Gary. Thank you so much for inviting me. This sounds like a lot of fun. Yes. And, um, Thank you for being here. Um, yeah, so I said, um, I mean, I was lucky enough to have a little bit of an opportunity last night to read some of your book, and it was definitely fascinating. One, I have to say, you are an incredible writer. Oh, um, well, thank I mean, you. <laughs> I mean, the writing is, is so good on your, in your book, you know, because I know how hard it is. I've written a book of my own, and uh, it was just really, I was impressed with it. Um, so, uh, you, you, you bring up this, how, how you had a 10 minute experience that completely changed your life, how you went from, you know, being a psychologist and, and basing reality completely on the five senses to something that's more extraordinary. Um, would you like to share that experience with my listeners? Sure, sure. I was on my way to work one morning, really early, 6.15, 6.30. I always get to work early. Um, there was hardly any traffic on the road. And while I'm driving to work, all of a sudden, this message just, I don't know how else to explain it other than it just drops into my awareness. And I, I knew it wasn't from me because the vocabulary was different. Uh, I actually grabbed my purse to see if I could open my, you know, find my cell phone and record the message, but I, I couldn't. And I thought, okay, you know, this is not good, Candace. We don't want to have a car wreck on the way to work. So I just remembered it. And I remembered it verbatim. Um, the message came in. And as it came in, I saw this picture of a flower. And the message said that people were like flowers. Well, like, first of all, a flower connects to Mother Earth through the roots. Mm -hmm. And as it grows up, as the plant grows up toward Father Sky, and those are not words, those were not words in my vocabulary. But once it was in perfect alignment with source, it created a blossom, a flower. And then the messenger said, Humans, too, are like flowers, but they hyphenated the word flower, flowers of energy, and that you, too, can open up to this. And I'm thinking, this message is so beautiful. I, I wish I thought of it myself. I mean, I knew it didn't come from me. Well, I got to work, and I was working as a psychologist in the school system. You know, I, I pulled into the parking lot, you know, grabbed my belongings, started walking to my office, I'm only the second car in the uh, parking lot because I'm always early. And all of a sudden, I see this Royal Poinciana tree. Now, if you're not familiar with the Royal Poinciana, it looks kind of like a mimosa. The, this one was red, but the leaves almost look like ferns. But this, this tree, Gary, just seemed to beckon me to it. it. It's like it just called me over to it. And I'm looking at it. You know, the sun is starting to rise and there's this mist coming from it, and I can, you know, there's these beautiful patterns, you know, on the ground where, you know, the leaves, I can just see the, the leaves, the shadows just dancing on the ground, and I realized in that moment that that tree was every bit as much alive as I was, and my eyes went straight to this blossom that hadn't opened yet, and if I had doubted the message that I had gotten, like all doubts went out the door. Oh, this is really another message telling me that, you know, is that me? Am I that blossom ready to just open up to this world that I've never known before? 
um, you know, I had no idea whether this was a once in a lifetime event or whether it would happen again, but it kept happening. And I had to, well, confront is maybe not the, the right word, but, but I had to look at my life because as you said, as a psychologist, I only trusted what my five physical senses could measure. And all of a sudden I'm getting messages from an unknown source. Um, other messages came in that were from people who had passed away and they had messages for me to share with their loved ones. Um, just the whole world of the unknown opened to me. And my first thought being a psychologist was, okay, um, what's going on here? My clinical mind clicked in and I thought, okay, I'm hallucinating. It's like, no, no, I, I know I'm not. Um, is this, you know, am I all of a sudden finding myself in a psychotic breakdown? And it's like, no, I, I knew I wasn't. But I eventually learned to embrace these messages. And before long, I had, you know, hundreds of pages of messages, and many of them I could verify. So I finally just embraced it. And since then, I, I well, I've written the two books, and most of them are verbatim the messages that I've received uh, from the angelic realm or from the, the realm of the non-physical. But it's been a, a really fascinating journey. And um, the first book, there's a subtitle that says, An Ordinary Person's Extraordinary Journey into the Unknown. And that is so true. If I could do this, anyone could do this. It's just a matter of opening up and starting to receive messages. Oh, that's definitely a very profound experience. Um, prior to uh, you having this experience, I mean, obviously you're a psychologist, so you had some exposure to, the, you know, um, Carl Jung, who is also, you know, yes. a psychologist, but also he was a great mystic. And, um, you know, and some of the things that kind of go along with, with his teachings and, or, or his idea of collective unconscious goes back, you know, to ancient societies like the Vedic traditions, Buddhism, Taoism, and stuff like that. Were you exposed to any of those things prior to having this experience? Not really. Um, of course, in graduate school many, many years ago, I knew about Carl Jung, I had studied him, but none of what he talked about really resonated with me. I was so embroiled in the day-to-day -day work as a psychologist, and I was working in a school system, so I was functioning as a school psychologist. So my life was involved with going to school, counseling students, um, testing for gifted programming or, or students who might have special needs, but as far as anything esoteric, no, that was not in, that was not in my mindset. It, it was something I never really even thought of. Um, I have always been interested in um, psychic phenomenon. Um, I've been interested in what my mother used to call ESP, but I never had an ounce of any inkling that I could open up to spirit and start delving into these, you know, invisible realms until it just happened to me one day. And it was like, whoa, my life changed after that point. Um, once you've had this experience, um, how did you feel about sharing it with other people <laughs> coming from the background that you have? Well, it was, Gary, it was quite the dilemma because as a psychologist, you know, my first thought was, okay, what are people going to think about me? Are they going to roll their eyes? Which some of them did. But I realized that this information was coming to me for a reason. And I felt that I really needed to share it. Now, it took a lot of courage to do that. Um, I started in just small groups. I, I would like be with people on my lunch break and I would mention something that would happen. And, you know, that's when sometimes the um, eye rolling started, but it would be 
interesting um, because I found out later is some of those people who were initially vocal about what are you talking about? That can't happen. Or just saying nothing and rolling their eyes. They would come to me later and we would have private conversations and they would start sharing with me their experiences that they had never shared with anyone before, not even their spouses. So that encouraged me to not really concern myself with what other people thought of me or my messages, but I just felt like it was important to speak my truth. That's truth with a capital T. And so I did it. And also I was not planning on writing a book. Um, that's a whole new step, you know, much greater than sharing and, you know, a few minutes of your time during a lunch break. But the messengers pretty much told me I was going to be writing a book. And I thought, no, 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 not me, not me. But um, I, I was guided to do that. So I did. So I, I had to straddle both worlds. I was the in the world of the three-dimensional earth plane where I was a psychologist Yet then I had another foot in the world of the non-physical, where I started communicating with, with angels and, and talking to people who had passed over. So it was quite a balancing act for a while, but I, um, you know, I absolutely love it. Did you ever consider in the beginning maybe publishing the messages under a different name or in, a, or in an anonymous format? You know, I never thought of doing that because um, once I was at the point where I embraced the directive to write a book, I figured the book or the books now needed to be genuine. And in order to be genuine, people needed to know that it came from me, a psychologist, a psychologist who had clinical scientific training, whose life didn't really lend itself to believe in these things. And once again, if this transition and transformation could happen to someone like me, it could happen to other people as well. So I never once thought about doing this anonymously. And I'm glad I didn't. Were you concerned about having to take heat from your colleagues for doing this? Initially, but then once again, once I started sharing it, other people came up to me and you know, told me their, their stories. Um, as I've stepped on this path of spirit, I have found that my group of friends have changed, they've evolved. I have more friends now who have a like interest, uh, a common interest, and those that didn't really believe me, and to me, it, it's not, it's okay if they don't believe me. You know, I am not, writing these books in order to um, make people change their minds. You know, people need to make their own decisions on what life means to them. And, you know, I'm just sharing something that was important to me. But throughout my transition, I find myself around a different set of people. And that's okay. Friends come and go. And you know, life goes on. Um, and now I find myself in a very um, wonderful space with um, many friends that I would not have had otherwise. Do you, think, do you think that these spirits chose you or did you choose to open up and communicate with them? Oh, there was nothing on my part. I mean, all I'm doing is driving to work one day and the message just drops in. They chose me, but I don't know why. And, and I don't, I certainly don't see myself as like a chosen one. In retrospect, as I look at what happened that first day back in August 2016, I'm driving to work. You know, when your car knows where you're going and it's like you're almost on automatic pilot, you're paying attention enough to the road but you're not really alert enough to be multitasking. So I'm, I'm very, you know, driving, paying attention to what's going on. But because of that, because I'm being focused, my judgment, my ego wasn't in the way. It's, 
I was in a perfect position to allow information to come in because I am just busy doing one thing. And that is what allowed me, I think, to let the messages come in. I actually got to the point where going to work each morning, I would get my iPhone, hit record, start my car, and the messages would start flowing. Uh, it was just that perfect format where judgment was pushed aside and I just allowed information to come in. Um, the information sometimes came in, or a lot of times it came in like dictation. The messengers would say something and they would, they would tell me what punctuation to use, you know, exclamation mark, you know, period. They would say new paragraph. If I made a mistake, which I guess would be my interpretation where I interpreted their words differently because I didn't actually hear words, they would say strike that and they would begin again. So it was, it was fascinating, but it was interesting because I just kind of set my judgment aside and allowed it to happen. So I'm not too sure why I was chosen, but I, I understand the environment. I'm driving to work. I'm open. I'm paying attention to the road, but nothing else. And it was just perfect for information to arrive. One of the things that I identified with when I was reading your book is how you consider yourself like a channel or a conduit um, for the message and how information just comes to you. Like I know as an artist, like say like I play guitar, for example, and sometimes my best work, it just feels like it comes from somewhere else and not necessarily from me. Absolutely. And what do we call that? We call that inspiration. And think of the word inspiration. It's from in spirit. Some of the messengers have told me that when you look at beautiful pieces of, of art, for example, you know, famous paintings, that the true picture is in the spirit world, yet that information came down through spirit and an artist became inspired and they drew this picture, they painted this picture, they, you know, uh, wrote this beautiful piece of prose, or, or they played this, you know, they developed some beautiful symphony. And I do feel like inspiration truly is from in spirit, where you've opened up and you've allowed something that's much greater than yourself to come in through you. So you can be a channel for that without becoming a quote channeler uh, is just allowing your heart to open up and receive this, you know, beautiful energy from the spirit world. And then you use your skill set in order to manifest that on the earth. Can anybody learn this skill? Uh, tough question. Um, you know, I, I, and, you know, I want to say, yes, anyone can learn it, but the question's tough, Gary, because it really isn't learning the skill. It's forgetting. It's forgetting how we were trained and what our belief systems were. Think of an infant, you know, as soon as you have a newborn baby, they are, you know, fresh in this world from spirit. They don't have any kind of language you know they'll cry um and and i mean i remember with my own children and now i have a couple grandchildren you know when they're little and they cry you think oh i can't wait till they can talk and they can tell me what's wrong and once they start developing language then it's like okay good they can say my tummy hurts my head hurts you know whatever it is but what happens at that point is their center of existence moves from their gut or their heart up to their brain and they start functioning using the brain. Now we know the brain's important. You know, we would be in, you know, we have to use our brains, but in order to connect with spirit, we need to move the center of our existence from our analytical brains down to the center of our hearts. That's where it, that's how we were 
when we were born into this world. This is what animals do, and it's called instinctual. So connecting to spirit is really something that's instinctual, and people can get back to it. And the air quote learning is actually learning, once again, air quote, to let go and step into that energy field of what we truly are which is our soul, which is our spirit. Um, so it's almost what, like unlearning, sort of. It's, um, it's or, or letting go of the ego. It's absolutely letting go of the ego. Think about dreams. I have a dream journal that is like 255,000 words long. I mean, I, it, you know, it's great. I love yours. Well, actually reference a dream, and I go back because I've kept it on a, you know, on a word document, I can go back and search and find that specific dream. But in a dream, you may be confronted with something like, let's just say you're in a building and you need to get outside and you just walk through the wall. Well, it's in a dream. You don't stop and say, I can't do that. You know, that's a solid wall. You just do it. Well, in the dream state, your ego is and your judgment are tucked away. You don't have that judgment that says you can't do that. So you just go with the flow. And that's why a lot of people, um, I really encourage people to keep a dream journal because every night we leave our bodies and our soul, our essence, you know, whatever word you want to use to, to call that non-physical part of yourself goes into the cosmos and we connect with other non-physical beings. And as we bring that information back, if we can start learning, here's where the learning comes in, to document it, then we start getting a taste of the divine. And this is kind of like, if you want to learn how to channel, again, my air quotes there, is keeping that judgment pushed aside. Don't question it just go with the flow. In fact, this is what happened with me as a psychologist. When the information first started coming into me, you know, I'm thinking, okay, what's going on? This is kind of crazy. But my training as a psychologist um, taught me to be an objective observer. So I didn't know what to do initially. So I just started writing things down. I started documenting by recording things. And over time, I realized, you know, the information that came in was genuine because I could verify a lot of it. But it's another way to do this is to pretend that you're a kid. I mean, when you watch children play, um, you know, I, I have two granddaughters. One just turned eight and, and the other one just turned four. I go to their house and we are riding on unicorns and we're, we're princesses flying in the air. You know, their imagination just runs wild. And this is what we need to do is not think about the outcome. Can I really do this? Can I really channel? Can I really connect to the spirit world? But pretend like you're a child. Make it up. Just see what comes to you. And without having judgment there, you'll then start seeing a pattern that you're connecting to a source that's greater than yourself, but just have fun. Just hmm. go with the flow. Every time I try to do that, my wife says I have no filter. <laughs> well, but see, we, th th you're right because we learn, we have so many filters about us, but taking some of those filters away allows more energy to flow in. I think of energy, let's think about energy coming from the non-physical world to the, you know, the world of angels, the world of guides. It comes to us like water in a water hose, but we don't get the information. It's like the, um, you know, that water hose is crimped. But once you start allowing it to flow by getting rid of your filters for a while, then that water hose starts to straighten out. And all of a sudden you have this open channel of water or energy coming straight to you. 
So there's a, there's a time to have filters, but there's a time to just push those filters aside and see what kind of information you can receive. And you talk about receiving information. One of the things I read in your book, and I really like the idea um, that our brains don't actually think, but they're actually work more like a radio receiver. Yes. And that once I had received information on that, I, it was amazing because I, I Googled it after the fact and, and saw that there was a lot of information that, that supported that theory. But I always say that the brain is the organ of intelligence, but the most intelligent organ of the body is the heart. It kind of goes back to what we were saying, what I was saying earlier about when we're first born, we operate on instinct. We operate out of that sacred, silent space of the heart. But then later we move that energy up to the brain. The brain is great. It does bring in information. It's great to know, but your heart will never lead you astray. Um, years ago, I would be like driving to work, for example, and something would tell me, oh, I should turn right instead of turning left. And I wouldn't. And then something would happen and, and I would make these statements like, oh, I knew better than that. I knew better than that. Well, I never say that anymore because as soon as a thought comes into me that guides me in a different direction, I adhere to that. And it's not like if you turn right instead of left or vice versa that, you know, you're going to be in a massive car wreck. No, but you might be behind slower traffic and you're, you're, you arrive at your destination a little bit slower. Uh, you might be behind a car that might, um, you know, something might drop out of the, you know, the car and, you know, hit you or throw a rock up. Or there, There's a reason why you get information. Um, and it's, it's learning to acknowledge when guidance comes in because guidance is always there but usually we don't pay attention to it but if you can move your energy down to your heart space and you start paying attention to what your gut says or what your heart says then you'll find that you're you that's the beginning of opening a door to guidance um, everything is energy so Guidance that comes into you comes in through an energy stream. But once you acknowledge it, it strengthens that connection. So when you have a little nudge that says, I should do this instead of that, follow it. And that will help open the door for more, um, more guidance that you can perceive. Um, when you're receiving information, um, uh, the, the, the information, does it come from deceased humans? Does it come from beings that um, never existed on the earth plane? Um, could it come off planet type of information? Yeah. It, um, it comes from so many different sources. Um, after my initial... Uh, download of information about the flower. A few days after that, I started getting information from people who had passed away. But right after that, it's like the floodgates opened. And I started getting information, for example, from um, star systems. And, you know, that was really a challenge for me to believe. Um, so I didn't believe it. I just, I just documented. Like, for example, um, there was a quote star system that that called themselves Chiron, but I saw it in my mind's eye as spelled with the C H, but I knew it was pronounced with with the K. And these beings or energies from this energy system from Chiron said that they were working with their sister star, our sun to help change the frequencies on earth to help with healing. And I'm thinking, you know, this is really bizarre, but I'm still going with the flow because I don't want to shut down the communication. Later, I looked up uh, Chiron 
and almost fell out of my chair when I realized that there was this, it's, it's a hybrid. It's like part plant, part comet, part asteroid named Chiron spelled the way I saw it pronounced the way I, um, I've also had, you know, I, I of course get information from people who have passed away. I've gotten a lot of information from angels so much so that the second book was um, really devoted to angels that I've had communications with and just the angelic realm in general. I've also visited a place that's called the realms of light. And this is where many ascended masters live like um, Jesus, Buddha. Um, I've connected with, with beings. Um, I connected with white Buffalo calf woman. There was, I have one chapter called Stampede where I had this, this entire um, event that unfolded in my mind's eye that involved a white Buffalo calf and uh, angels and, and ancestors and the council of elders. And I had no idea what was going on. I'd never heard of white Buffalo calf woman before until she came in and gave me information about healing. Um, I think she said in, in order to be in a perfect place for miracles to, to occur, you must be like the white Buffalo calf, you know, the purity of the white the purity of the heart of the child and just be open. And I just, you know, I was so amazed when I found out later that there was from the Lakota Sioux nation, um, this big legend around white Buffalo calf woman. I had never heard of her yet. She, she came to me and gave me messages. So many, many of my communications with the non-physical don't involve just one um, one group of people or or one messenger. It's it's like everywhere and everything. I've just been able to tap into these greater energies, and mm -hmm. you know they have just enriched my life beyond measure. It's just unbelievable. Um, I have a, interviewed a medium. Uh, her name was Marianne Coleman recently from New Zealand. And you, you talk about this um, beings from a nearby star system trying to assist us in changing the frequency, you know, of what's happening in Earth. And she mentioned something similar to that, and it said that yeah. everything that's going on right now, you know, the, the, you know how things sort of seem kind of chaotic, yeah, is it is a result, you know, of that change. I am not surprised. Um, you, my, my latest book, The Reluctant Messenger Returns, I just, um, that was just released last month. And what was interesting about that, there, I was in the very last stages of editing this, and that's when COVID-19 occurred. And as I was going through the book one last time before I would turn it over to the editors, um, I realized that the messages that I had been receiving were talking about today and what's happening now. For example, the frequencies, you know, these other star systems, these energy systems have been helping Earth and changing her vibrational frequencies. And they have told me that the earth was preparing to go through a transition. Um, it would be a transition to a higher, higher vibratory frequency. And when this, then the veils between the dimensions would start to thin. And that might be, and a little aside here, that might be one reason why me, an ordinary person, started spontaneously channeling. Uh, I was just in the right space at the right time. But as Earth goes through this transition, they said, life as you know it on Earth will change. And as I read that, and that's in the new book, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, they're not talking about some event that's going to happen in the future. They're talking about right now, in this time frame, in this, you know, 
right now, this is what we're going through. We have an opportunity now. And this opportunity is to step into the newer frequencies that are bombarding us, you know, as Earth makes this transition. And we can make changes. Um, one of the things the angels have told me is that now is the time for unity. Unity has always been there, but we've not perceived it. It's not, Gary, us versus them. You know, humanity is one. We are a family. We are brothers and sisters across this planet, working together, living together as a family. But it's not just that. It's the plants. It's the animals. It's the minerals. We are all one. And as, as we go through these challenges, then if we start embracing the unity, then we are going to help. Okay? You know, as a psychologist, if I had, you know, 10 years ago heard myself say this, I would, I would be one of the eye rollers. But time and time again, the information I'm getting from them, the messengers end up being validated, just like, you know, what you were saying about um, this lady who's a medium from Australia. She, she's saying the same thing. Many of us are getting a message, you know, going into higher vibrational frequencies. We have other people, people, um, other entities, other energy systems that are helping us, the people on earth, in order to make a better transition, a higher transition to um, a higher dimensional space. Are there darker entities trying to uh, resist this change? You know, it's, it's really interesting. I mean, I have rarely encountered any kind of dark energies. Um, in my first book, there's a chapter called Heavenly Help, where I did have uh, a situation occur that involves some lower level dark energies. But, you know, everything is energy. And, and I certainly believe in the law of attraction because what you put out is what you're going to be receiving. So as you engage in higher vibrational frequencies, you're not, you're not naturally attracted to the darker or lower energy vibrations. Sometimes they are attracted to you. I mean, you're because they're, they're seeking a higher source. So just to kind of hedge my bets, what I do in the morning when I get up is I use a protective energy bubble around me. Um, I have a YouTube channel and the last couple um, videos I've put up, I'm, I'm showing people how to do this, how to get an energy bubble to protect themselves, to keep their own energy spaces intact, but also prevent against any unwanted energies. Think about when you, when you get up in the morning and you, you stumble out of bed or, or you, you trip. And I, I can remember, and I used to do this, you know, it's like if you start your day off the wrong way, the, the rest of the day just goes downhill. Well, it goes downhill because we're allowing those frequencies to come in and we're embracing them whether we mean to or not. So becoming more cognizant that everything that surrounds us is energy, not just the world of physicality, but the world of emotions, you know, um, gratitude, love, being thankful, laughter, those things bring more positive energy into you. So when you're aware of that, when you have something negative that occurs, replace it with something that's positive, and you'll find yourself less likely to have um, negative energy around you. So I kind of danced around that topic, but I hope it made sense. <laughs> um, one of the things that you had mentioned is you had received some messages from extended masters, such as uh, Jesus and um, yeah. spiritual Buddha, stuff like that. Um, what is their message for humanity? The, you know, I can't say this was 
exactly from them, but the overall message that I'm getting from, from the messengers is there is hope. There, there are so many positive things that are happening. As we, as we work toward, as we step on the path of ascension, we end up bringing more light and more love and more gratitude into our awareness. Um, one of the things that both that I heard from, you know, from, from Buddha, from Jesus was, they said, there's no difference. And this was hard to believe. There's no difference between us and them other than they are further along on the path to ascension the path back to source, the path back to the creator. It's like there's this continuum and we're way down here on the left hand, you know, on, on the left side, they're, they, they are much closer to source than we are. So as we traverse life and we start embracing higher vibrational frequencies, we become literally enlightened because we're becoming closer we're coming closer and closer to the creator source, you know, which is light, which is God, which is energy. Um, so as we traverse that course, we, we become more like them. Um, you know, some of us mm -hmm. like me have a really long way to go <laughs> before we get there, but there is, there is a path of ascension and it begins with us realizing that we're more than our physical bodies. Um, one thing I, I just did this on my last YouTube video is I showed people how to open the eighth chakra. The body consists of basically seven chakras or energy centers. And above the seventh, which is the crown chakra, is this, well, for those who can see energy, it's like a, a spinning um, ball of sun. And, and you can open that energy up and bring it down around you. And that helps you step into the higher frequencies. Now, many think that eighth chakra is where the soul is, or it's your higher self, but it is closer to the connection of the divine than what we are in our physical bodies. So as we learn to step into those higher vibrational frequencies, we, we change. Um, physically we change things miracles start happening um my the second book the reluctant messenger returns i start off well actually the second chapter talking about a miracle that happened with me a medical miracle and there was no reason there's there was no logical reason why it would happen but i was in a meditation and I saw Buddha. Now, that was the Buddha. And at that time, Buddha was not in my orbit. I grew up as a Southern Baptist in, in Western Kentucky. And I, I certainly knew who Buddha was. But, you know, he, he wasn't anyone that I studied. And he gave me a short message. Um, well, I'm, I guess I've already stepped into this. So let me go ahead and tell. I had a paralyzed vocal cord after a thyroidectomy and three months after my vocal cord was paralyzed uh, I mean I had to wear Gary I had to wear a voice box and a microphone I would go to work each day because I, I could only talk like this I could only whisper so I had to use this voice box in order to communicate with with the students I was working with I went to an, an ENT and he scoped my vocal cord and he said, it's paralyzed. Well, I mean, I knew it was. And I was supposed to come back the next week in order to start the pre-surgical process. He was going to rebuild my vocal cord. I went to a weekend, re <clears throat> excuse me, a weekend retreat. And in the retreat, I had this meditation where all of a sudden Buddha is there. And he said, be silent for 24 hours and you will be healed. 
And it's like, I don't know what this is, but, uh, and this is before I was, had opened and was channeling. And I thought, okay, it's, it's worth a try. So I was silent for 24 hours. Once I got home and the 24 hours had passed, my voice was back. It was, I mean, it was truly a medical miracle. You know, I had just had the diagnosis and, and, and had the scans to prove it. And all of a sudden this happened. And this was actually part of my awakening. I didn't know it at the time, but this was uh, setting me up in order to, you know, start receiving these higher frequencies from, um, from spirit, if you will. So you were already sort of open, probably just because of the process of meditation, it was opening up your consciousness possibly. Yes, yes. I was certainly open to, I mean, I can remember years ago when I first started as a psychologist, um, we took classes on transcendental meditation. And I use that quite often when I worked in a mental health center with my patients, would show them how to meditate. Why? Because it lowered their blood pressure. It lowered their anxiety. There were physiological reasons where meditation helped. Did I do it because you were connecting to a greater source? No, never thought about that. So, you know, I was doing things like meditation, but for different reasons. But yes, I was open to it. Not and I was much more open than what I had, what I realized at the time. Um, so beyond the um, extended masters, um, you, you mentioned there being a creator, a source, a God. Mm-hmm. What is it? Is, is it just, is it consciousness? Is it a being? Is it a spirit? Just um, an endless source of energy? Let's just skip that question. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. You know, it's all of the above. Um, You know, it's it is so difficult to describe something because we don't have the words for that. Um, You know, there is an absolute supreme intelligence to this world. I mean, I I, know I I don't believe it. I know that Um, there is something someone, something that created all of this. And in fact, in my first book, the very last chapter in the beginning talks about an experience I had where I actually was allowed to see creation. You know, it, it was, but, you know, I grew up as a Southern Baptist and my religious upbringing suggested that that God was this man who sat on a big throne um, and he looked over everybody. And, you know, the creator is, is beyond description with our words. And as I've learned to like traverse the world of the non-physical, I've had to stretch my physical senses. You know, I've learned to live through the heart space. I see through the heart. I hear through the heart. I feel through the heart. Um, you know how you, you might have cold chills when something, someone says something and you get cold chills and it's like, Ooh, I know that's a sign of something because right. it's not cold outside. So it's not your physical body registering temperature. It's using your senses differently than what you're accustomed to. So as I've learned to stretch my physical senses, I've been able to tap into these invisible realms of spirit. And I realize that everything is energy. So as we explore these realms and we start thinking and feeling outside of our earth plane existence, what our physical senses can measure, you know, I see the creator as a divine being a light, a divine energy of love and it's like this enormous beacon in the universe that we are naturally attracted to Um, we are being called home to reunite with this energy that i think we once were and when jesus and buddha talked about the ascension process going toward the creator light i think all of us are naturally drawn to come back home 
and I think God is is home. So once again, trying to use physical words um, to describe something that is invisible, that is immeasurable, is really difficult to do. But that's kind of why I wanted to skip the question. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's the best I can come up with. <laughs> Um, this is something I, I, I talk about with almost all the people I interview, which is um, quantum physics. And in quantum physics theory, it, it proves that, that everything is actually energy and that even our own reality that we currently live in is not solid because it's made up of atoms and particles and our particles right now, you know, going right through the, a wall or through my body. So even as we speak, nothing is actually solid. Um, are, are, are you into any type of that stuff? Well, it just makes sense. You know, um, the messengers have told me about entrainment when I really didn't even know what entrainment was in terms of physics. And they've told me that... Um, Connecting to them, for example, is not a matter of being spiritual. It's a matter of physics. That, for example, and I get these beautiful visions, uh, and, the, and the more I'm connected with spirit, the more visions I see. But they gave me an example of when you first, for example, connect with another energy source. Let's say I'm connecting with, with Chiron. Uh, as soon as that information comes into me, I've made a connection. So that connection is there, and I, it can, you can build on that connection. They showed me this vision of, I had like a bird's eye view of a field of wheat in the middle of the night, but there was a you know, big full moon um, showing down, and you could, I could see the wheat. I can see it right now in my mind's eye, and the wheat's just like gently blowing in the wind. And then there's these invisible footsteps that traverse across this field of wheat to get to this other connection to Chiron, let's say. Well, once you're there, you can certainly find your way back because as you walked, you bent down those stalks of wheat. So it's easier to find your way back. So it's just connecting. So once you go back and forth and back and forth, then before long, you've got like a four lane highway in that direction. And that's all energy. It's all physics. Once you have this connection, it's there. You know, again, it's not being psychic. It's just, it's just in terms of physics and energy. You've been there before. You can be there again, which is one reason why it's important. Well, I think it's important to record your dreams because you start realizing that you are connecting to other sources, um, Many people, for example, might have a visit with a loved one who's passed away and they wake up and they say, oh, I dreamed of mom or I dreamed of granddad. Once you realize it's not a dream, that's a visit where in spirit, both of you all were able to connect. I mean, think of how healing that is to know that you've actually made this connection. Well, the first step occurs in that dream state because you're not judging it, but the connection is still there and the connection is still very true. And it's, it's, you know, we do build our world and our universe as we go along. Um, you know, quantum physics makes perfect sense. And it also makes perfect sense to choose that you're going to uplift yourself bring in higher vibrational frequencies, and that's going to help everyone else around you. Um, so for people who, who struggle with like connecting with the spiritual realm, um, some people now will try things like ayahuasca or DMT or isolation tanks. Do you think those things can help a person? From what I've um, seen on YouTube about DMT, it certainly sounds like people are able to tap into another, I don't know, aspect of their brain that they hadn't before. 
but I do know that just from um, simple meditation, simple drumming, for example, into the dream state, there are many other ways that you can also access that which was unknown to you at the time. So, you know, from, from what I've seen, it certainly sounds like they're able to make these connections that they, to the spirit world or the unseen world that they hadn't before. Awesome. Um, so getting ready to wrap this up, I have one last question. So okay. one that's way out there. I was going to say, make it an easy one. Be nice to me. No, no, this, one, this one's not <laughs> going to be easy. <laughs> um, you're talking about this highway of the beat, um, you know, and stuff like that and connecting. Um, do you think um, that highway opening up more um, could also be an explanation for um, an increase in UFO sightings? Oh, absolutely. Oh, this was an easy question. Absolutely. Even I even have messages that um, the messengers have told me that in the not too distant future, and this was a few years ago, that people are going to start seeing um, leprechauns and fairies, you know, that these veils are lifting. And as the veils lift, we are going to be open to more and more experiences of things that are around us anyway, but we've not had the capability of seeing or experiencing them with our five senses, you know, but now there's becoming more and more bleed throughs. I actually have a photograph. I, I have a picture, a lady that I met once took a picture of a photograph of a fairy. Her physician's husband, she lives in Brazil, went on a camping um, tour or something, you know, in, in remote jungles of Brazil. And uh, he was just photographing things. When he came home and looked at his digital pictures, he saw this fairy and she's sitting on a branch. He, he blew it up and this, my friend actually took a picture of it and she showed me that. Um, there's this fairy sitting on a branch that's arching over over water and it's like oh my gosh there's an actual fairy she had blue wings with with white on the tips she she had clothes on uh she had long brown hair and it, there's an actual photograph of it so if you can start taking pictures of fairies and see them certainly you're going to be we're going to have these doors open where more and more will contact us. I mean, I have, I'm in contact with, you know, cosmic beings. Um, I've not seen them in a spaceship. I've got just, you know, straight to straight knowledge. They're, they're giving me information. But I certainly think that we'll be seeing more and more UFOs. It just makes sense. I lied. I have one more question. Okay. <laughs> and it's, 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 it's a one word question. My, my listeners, I, personally, my own favorite topic, Bigfoot. Bigfoot. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I've, we apparently have a skunk ape or something like that in, in, I'm in, in uh, Florida, South right. Florida, close to the Everglades. I'm, I'm in Alabama, so I'm not too okay. far from you. Okay. Okay. Um, what makes us think that there isn't one? There, there are, there is so much more to life than meets our physical senses. You know, if I can connect with Buddha who tells me to be silent for 24 hours and he heals a paralyzed vocal cord. If I can be in touch with star beings who tell me about earth, earth's changes, I am, I was allowed to see creation. How can I not say there's a Bigfoot? I would be, I would love to see him. And I can't wait. <laughs> Me too. That was great. Thank you for being on my show. Um, oh, thank you for having me. Uh, how about your books? Um, just uh, where can my listeners find your books and find your website? 
Well, my website is Candice, C-A-N-D-I-C-E, Sanderson.com. Uh, the best way to find my books are on Amazon. The Reluctant Messenger and The Reluctant Messenger Returns, or just Google my name. Um, you know, I do have a YouTube channel, which I've got like 60-some-odd videos, and that was so hard to do. But the messengers told me, oh, you need to do this. So it's like, oh. I shivered, but I've done that anyway. I'm also on, you know, Twitter and on Facebook, but Amazon is probably the easiest way to find my books. Great. Um, so, yeah, I mean, definitely I encourage my listeners to buy your book. Uh, it's, it's actually very readable. <laughs> like I said, I mean, it was very well written. Uh, Thank you. Uh, sometimes I find like a lot of books on a certain topic, especially like this, I don't know. There's just um, people go down certain rabbit holes, but they never really come out. And, and yours is very clear and concise. Well, thank you. Um, and I'd like to thank my listeners for listening. Um, please review my podcast on whatever platform you're using. And please tell your friends, family, and even your strange uncle, which I'm definitely that strange uncle myself. And if anybody wants to be a guest on my show, you can email me at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. And I'm also on all these platforms. I'm either everything imaginable or everything imaginable 2020. And remember uh, that everything that is was first imagined. Thank you for listening.